time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. So we have a Right View Roundtable here tonight. Lori Medina, Wade Miller. And we always have a top of the second hour Right View Roundtable question of the week. And this week, I want to talk about the Enlist Act. And this actually is more relevant than you might think. Enlist is an acronym, just like the word Enlist, E-N-L-I-S-T. And it stands for, it had a rat in front of me and I can't even find it, but it basically stands for um, okay, I'm going to find the acronym. This is going to bug me because I had it before. It stands for the, um, and okay, somebody help me here. What is Enlist? You guys have an acronym memorized. You don't. Okay. Okay, I had it. Sorry. Not, anyway, the basic idea of the law is it provides that people who have entered America illegally, is in, okay, here it is, encourage new legalized immigrants to start training. So it basically says if you are in America illegally, if you're maybe one of the dreamers, that you can essentially get amnesty. You can become an American citizen by serving in the military. And so it has some appeal to people who feel sorry for dreamers, kids whose parents you know, came here and it wasn't really their fault. They were born here and they don't have a legal status. So there is a growing sympathy with this act to say, well, let's let these people have, um, if they serve honorably in our military, give them the right to be citizens uh, at the end of it all. And so, or at least to have a legal status in America, maybe not citizenship. So here's my question uh, to you guys. I mean, there are, and Lori and I were talking earlier in the phone, actually, there are 200 co-sponsors now. This is uh, rolling along in um, Congress to let uh, dreamers and other illegals become citizens. So I just want to know, is that a smart idea or not? You can go ahead. Well, I, I think it's a, a terrible idea. And in fact, uh, Heritage Action, some other groups have been peeling away a lot of the co-sponsors once they pointed out what's at, uh, what's at stake here and what the problems with this bill are. And of course, the argument for it is that, look, if, if you're willing to serve your country, something that a lot of people don't do, or, or especially in the military, then why not allow those people an opportunity to become citizens? And I think that the counter to that is that uh, military service should not be a punishment. So it shouldn't be a penance for something that has been done wrong. It sh- it's a privilege for those who are here legally and those who are citizens to serve their country. And I think that you get into a lot of problems with it could then serve as a magnet. So it could encourage further illegal immigration, knowing that there's an avenue. Uh, if you're a parent and you want to bring your kids over, knowing that in five or six years they could join the military. So it encourages more of the problem that we have. It's also a national security problem. We have people who are not citizens, who are not here legally, who are then going to possibly be in the military and have access to sensitive material, intelligence material. I just think it's the wrong way to go. I think that we've got to draw a hard line here. And most importantly, the military is a benefit, and it should be a benefit for those who have come here the right way and who want to embrace American principles and for citizens born here who want to defend those principles. Yes. Amen to that. Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, I just feel like that our military has become a dumping ground for America's social issues that we don't want to deal with. They're all sent to the military, and somehow the poor folks over at the Pentagon, they have to deal with all the junk that we argue about on, uh, you know, CNN and Fox News. Um, You know, I, I just don't think that's their job. The job of the military is to protect us. That's it. It's not to assimilate people. 
Um, it's not to teach them our language. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's none of those things. Um, it's not to te- teach them our laws. It, it It is to protect us. And so I feel like we're taking... Uh, our military and making them do all these things that's really not their jobs. Constitutionally, it's not their job. And I I just I think it's very wrong. Very wrong. And, and look, if, if you want to do this the right way and you want to come here illegally, mm-hmm. I am in full support of having an expedited citizenship process for those people who put in their time, serve this country. But we're about a, a nation of, uh, based on the rule of mm-hmm. law. And there should mm-hmm. be no shortcuts for people uh, that that take you know that do not follow our laws and, and and in fact their first act of coming in this country is to violate this our laws and and look some people might say that this is unfair especially if you know someone's brought here when they're 10 11 12 13 but look it's also unfair that people whose parents uh rob banks have to go to jail and, and <laughs> deprive their children of parenting yeah. you know we have to take their parents away from those kids at the end of the day it's a rule of law and i'm not out here to proactively target it's just not good sound policy. It's not in the best interest of the United States, and it encourages more of the same bad behavior of coming here illegally. I like all those points. Lori and I were talking on the phone earlier about how many people we think of as fairly conservative, pretty thoughtful Republicans in the House, I guess in Senate, but have signed on to this bill. And so my, my one thought about it was, and we can talk about more after we go to the break that's coming up, but you know, if we were America of 50 or 60 years ago and there was not a concern about Islamic terrorism, mm-hmm. there was not a concern about people coming here meaning us harm, that we really thought of the people that we may, that may take advantage of the Enlist Act as just, they cross the border, they're poor, they need a way to get ahead and this it might be something as a big change to all of the um to our um security policy say okay this is one thing we're going to do we're going to find a way that these people can have um a another chance but okay we got 20 seconds here but that's not who it is you could have terrorists coming here deciding hey i heard if you join you know you you, i know i hear if you join military you can we'll we'll come back this after the break because everyone (laughs) wants to chime in more in this guy is telling me it's time to go to music come back after our break goodbye Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in health care, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private, free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition and the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to American Community Talk. I'm at Right View Roundtable. Wade Miller, Lori Medina here. Okay, so we were talking about the Enlist Act before the break, and I just want to say this about that. My father used to always say that. I want to say this about that. But, you know, the Enlist Act, really, the idea back in the day when we didn't have the threat of terrorism and you had a cohesive plan to say one step along the way to help yourself work towards citizenship, especially if you didn't, aren't the one that crossed the border anyway, your parents brought you. I could see that. It seems to me, though, these 200 co-sponsors, and we're talking in the break, there may be fewer now, but the idea that you can't see the danger to this, mm-hmm. that you're in Washington thinking, oh, good, I'm doing something nice that will be, that will be seen as a kind and good thing toward illegal immigrants, 
and you can't figure out the mischief to which this, uh, you know, that, that this could bring people. I mean, truly terrorist crossing saying, yeah, well, you know, I heard if you join the military. So you get terrorists in the military, people who are easily swayed toward terrorism, people who are just I, I mean, it's just I'm troubled by the cluelessness of people in Washington signing on to this. Not to mention cartels. There's there's a big mm-hmm. problem with that. And, and who knows the, the relationships or if people still have family back home, how that can be manipulated through threats and. And, and look, I know some of these arguments may be straw man ish, but it's still a concern. On just, there are just so many reasons to oppose this as just bad policy and too much of a risk when our military should be focusing on other things, uh, and it's just not worth it. There have been some people that have been peeling their name off. I will say, in this area uh, of where I live, at least, uh, this is a bigger market than just that uh, that we're talking to. But in in, in the DFW area. You know, Joe Barton is still on that. And this is, you know, uh, a member of, uh, you know, he's loosely associated with the Freedom Caucus at times, uh, has a lot of talks. So he's, you know, he's not in the Tuesday group. Uh, this is a member who should not be on this. This is an amnesty bill. of, uh, And this is, uh, you know, this is what the left wants. They want incremental bills that will move exactly. in this direction of increased amnesty. We've got it here. We've got it there. And then they'll just keep pushing. I don't know why we're opening this door and why members like uh, uh, Representative Joe Barton would be supportive of it. Trey Gowdy's on the list. Did he pull his name off yet? Trey Gowdy was on as a co-sponsor. There have been a number who have pulled their names off. I'm not aware of all of them that have pulled off, but a lot of them have been going down to the floor. And there was a f- uh, several last week that just lined up because you have to actually go to the microphone and announce specifically that you want to be taken off. And there's a whole bunch of them that were lined up once they mm-hmm. found out what that was really in this bill and what was uh, what it was allowing for. I'm so glad to hear that because Lori and I were talking the phone earlier, reading some of the names, saying, you got to be kidding me. I was She's freaking on- out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, but, does this include refugees? Does this include? I, I don't know on that one. I don't. I'd have to look into it. But even if so, if it does, that's a whole other set of well, problems. It, yeah. Because I think that we've established on this show and elsewhere that the vetting process for refugees is abhorrent, and that's another security risk all all in an, in, a, yep. in and of itself. Yep. Yep. Okay, I must mention to our listeners, we put our links up on Facebook and our americacanwetalk.org website, and there is an article, a brilliant article written by one of the foremost Marines um, who is fully <laughs> fully tuned into this by Wade Miller that was put up on Breitbart. Uh, the greatest actually, Marine ever I read somewhere. I think he is, actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was an, actually a May 2014 article because this bill was being considered at that time also. Great article, really thoughtful points on a serious note, so I do urge you to either go to Breitbart yourself or go to org and read that. Okay, so we have only 45 minutes and so much to talk about. I want to hit this one thing. I just thought this was the most... You know, on the subject of Trump stepping up and doing things that we like, mm-hmm. um, number one, when he named Nikki Haley the U.N. ambassador, I was a little bit like, I mean, I like her. She's nice and she's got spunk, but I didn't I didn't see a connection. I wasn't sure how well she performed. She's been pretty darn wonderful. I agree. And one great thing she did I want to hit on was there was a decision by a United Nations, the group UNESCO, um, and UNESCO voted. They, they actually... Um, I'm going to say the precise thing they voted. UNESCO voted to name an area in the wet, the, a Jewish holy site in the West Bank city of Hebron, H-E-B-R-O-N, the West Bank, as an endangered Palestinian world heritage site. 
They're giving credit to the Palestinians to lay claim to this area of Hebron, in he, of Hebron, which is in the West Bank, which is, uh, and I want to say, if you listen to the show regularly, you know we had a guest on the show in April. Um, actually, I looked April 16th. Maurice Hirsch. Maurice Hirsch uh, is an Israeli. We met him. My husband and I met him. We were there in February. Um, he was from 2013 until this year. He was the um, Israeli Defense Force Director of Military Prosecutions for Judea and Samaria, which means the West Bank, prosecuting terrorists. I mean, the guy has stories to keep you up all night. Okay. But anyway, he did this. And so he posted when he saw this UNESCO thing. He, Maurice Hirsch, posted in Facebook something that went through historically all the claims by the people of Israel, the Jewish people of Israel, to this land, Hebron. And I would be like reading the Bible to you on air. All of these, I mean, Hebron belongs to Jewish people since Abraham Abraham. brought the cave of the patriarchs 3,500 years ago, buried his wife Sarah, uh, and then it has uh, Jewish people since Abraham, Isaac, Rebecca, and Leah, Leah, however you say her name, were buried there. Hebron belongs and belongs to the Jewish people since Joseph left Egypt to bury Jacob. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And just say this to say, number one, it's absurd to characterize this as a Palestinian anything. But number two, Nikki Haley, on behalf of America at the U.N., said, we are going to reexamine our commitment to UNESCO. It's like actually standing up. I loved it. Well, I mean, this is just another attempt by these international bodies uh, through globalist efforts to try to dictate to sovereign nations, you know, what can and can't uh, go on. And and look, I think the bigger point here, though, is that if you're worried about historical preservation uh, of a site or an area, I think the last thing you want to happen is to have radical Muslims overseeing it. If you want to—I mean, look— they have blown up uh, historical sites, destroyed right. artifacts, b- destroyed temples, destroyed monuments, destroyed uh, statues. statues. Uh, I think that the safest thing, and I- I'm including Islamic sites in this region, mm-hmm. the safest way to make sure that these sites are taken care of and preserved would be under Israeli director uh, uh, oversight. Could not agree more. And I will tell you, and I know I mentioned this show before, We, my husband travels to Israel regularly for business. I've been twice. We went this year in February. And honestly, you're struck by it every time you have a guide take you around. If they uncover something, they were, they were I think, redoing a parking lot or something, and they had just discovered just below the surface something that's of historic significance to Christians. They stop everything. They get the archaeologists in. They figure out what it is, how, where, wh- wh- how relevant it is, what it, and and then they protect it. They they preserve everything ancient in that country, including things relevant to the Muslim faith, the Christian faith, and the Jewish faith. They are impossibly de- dedicated, deeply dedicated to preserving those things in Israel. And so, you know, the idea that, that UNESCO, this busybody liberal organization from the UN, has to stick their nose in and designate something which, you know, if it's under the <laughs> under the control of the Palestinians and the Muslims, who knows what they would do with it, but Israel will actually protect it. And I just have to say again, I, I'm happier with Nikki Haley than I thought I might be. I didn't think she ever think she was bad or liberal. I just didn't know how strong, but she's been great. She's been phenomenal. I've been very, very. She's one of the people in the Trump administration that's been, to me, uh, a nice surprise. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we're also talking uh, when Alan West was still here, I guess, after on the break. But we were talking about how, you know, this kind of international 
the show is kind of international today. I want to hit on the thing. The other reason that Trump was in Warsaw was he met, he was spoke at a summit, which is called the Three Seas, which is not the letter C, but S-E-A-S, as in synonym for oceans, Three Seas Summit. But he really is doing something of magnificent importance with countries in that part of the world who are former Eastern Bloc countries who are beholden to Russia for energy, which means, A, they are purchasing energy from Russia, so they are feeding the Russian economy. They are unable to really break free and be free countries because they're under the, even though they are not formally part of the Soviet Union anymore, they're still under the control of the Russians. And so the Three Seas Summit was a meeting that Trump and actually, um, I forget which country really worked on, I guess Poland worked on putting it together. Poland and named, there were 10 countries or seven, I don't know, 10 or eight, eight or 10 countries. But the point of it is, Trump is working with them saying, oh no, we'll supply you energy. Mm-hmm. So when you start to, I mean, it just takes the, it takes so much away from Russia to have these countries and so much, it gives so much to the leaders of these countries to say, we're negotiating with the world now, with with America, with Trump, we're going to get energy from America. So we don't have to depend on the Soviet Union, which is forever and a day going to be determined to try to spread its borders. And if, if anyone's paid attention to this in the past, Russia has at times shut off yes, pipelines. These, these pipelines yep. in order to get the concessions they want on like diplomatic mm-hmm. demands. Yep. So, you know, the left loves to talk about Trump and Russia and how he's a puppet, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this doing this, if uh, let's say that let's just assume that you're a leftist and you think this is true, this would be the exact opposite of what you would expect Trump to yes, do if right. that were the case, right. because this really kneecaps right. Russia and their projection of power and diplomacy into Europe and elsewhere. It really is crippling in a lot of ways, if successful. Oh, only five seconds? Yes. Okay, I'll save it. <laughs> Come right back. We'll keep on talking about 3C Summit. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high. 
to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us and welcome back. I'm so glad you've tuned in tonight. Love, love, love talking to you every Sunday night. And we were talking before the break about this. We're kind of been talking a lot tonight about international things and really uh, Trump standing up really strongly in Warsaw and, and standing up for Western civilization and acknowledging people in Poland were chanting, we want God, and understanding that's the root of American civilization. He just really, he hit a home run there. So we were talking now that the other thing he did while he was in Poland was he spoke at a meeting that was put together, and I actually was reading about this. Poland worked for months to get this meeting, to get the right connections made, to get this meeting pulled together, which was to talk about this concept, this Three Seas Summit, but it was putting together a bunch of nations who are former Eastern Bloc, two still dependent on Russia, saying, 
We're going to supply you with oil. We're going to be a source of energy. So not only did Trump do all that for them, because then they don't have to rely on Russia, and it gets sent, sends less money to Russia's economy so they can stop being so—maybe they can't afford to be so belligerent. But it also creates jobs here. It was oh, like absolutely. a total home run. Absolutely. Um, you know, Debbie, I you think about these Baltic countries, and so many of them have maybe like a single pipeline or something of energy that comes into their country that comes from Russia. And so when Putin has been the bully that he is and he threatens them to shut off this pipeline to give them whatever concession, um, you know, this is scary for them because, I mean, just like us, they need energy to exist and survive. And so here comes along Trump, and he says, I'm going to stand up to your bully. That's what he did. I love that point. Um, he, he, he stood up for these Baltic states and said, I will stand up for you. I will provide you with the energy that Putin threatens to take away from you constantly. He wants to empower these states to make them more independent, to make them stronger. And ultimately, they're going to be stronger allies to us, to America. Yep. So, I mean, this was such a win-win on so many fronts. And, you know, I don't know if we mentioned on here or off here, but, you know, this <laughs> it blows up the whole ridiculous Russian thing. Um, you know, in so many ways, um, I think I think way you mentioned and the it. media is right. essentially ignoring right. this. Oh, I know because They're it, not it even goes completely it. against yes. their narrative. Right. 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 Yeah. right, right. If we mention this and talk about what it does, then this completely destroys our narrative. So therefore, yeah. you know, because we're CNN and MSNBC, we just better not even talk about it. Right. Yeah, I was actually, I honestly, I hadn't followed the story until I was listening to Trump's speech. I listened to the whole speech, not live, but I listened to it later and heard it mentioning the three C's. And so while he was talking, I was Googling and, and came out that I said, wow, mm-hmm. this is such a cool thing. And actually, I'll tell you, listeners, we had Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here earlier. And as he was leaving, we're off air. And I said, oh, we're going to talk about the three C's next. And he said, that's a great thing. That's going to be a great thing for Russia because it really, it will deprive the Russian economy mm-hmm. of, of money because they can't. And honestly, these poor countries were really, if they had no other source of energy, they pay whatever price. That's right. Putin says the price is, and they'll they'll give him whatever concession, diplomatic concession that he wants. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, we're taking the money away from the the bully Putin. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't have his money, he can't he can't bully these nations around. Yeah. Love it. Love this story. We'll follow this story. And um, again, you know, I um. I'm, I always say I, this show is about defending and loving America and embracing the unique identity of America. But the great thing about America is all these ideas that were in our founding that made America great, they're really available to any country who wants them. They don't belong belong particularly uniquely to America. Any country can experience the joys and virtue of you know freedom of speech and freedom of religion and a free market economy. And that's kind of what he's helping introduce in these countries that had to live under communism for so long. Help him understand how great this could be. So anyway, just uh, spreading the ideas of America is just a blessing. So Limbo used to say that years ago. The only thing we should export are America's ideas, something like that. You know, just we're going to keep on sending them all this stuff. Send them our ideas. Okay. Well, the other things I wanted, we were um, trying to decide to talk about, but I do want to mention just briefly this story. Just imagine there's a woman named Linda Sarsour. I don't know how to say her name correctly, but I don't really care. Anyway, she was, she's a Muslim woman. She wears a hijab. She was designated as one of the leaders of the Women's March back when the women had their, um, you know, wore their tacky hats and and did their women's march thing 
But she has now issued a statement several times calling for jihad. Now, she will say a verbal jihad, but she's really trying to get people riled up against President Trump. Mm -hmm. A verbal jihad, and she's—I mean, I was just thinking, imagine the media reaction if this were a Christian calling for the— crucifixion of Obama. I mean, you know, I'm trying to make some rough analogy, but I mean, the stuff she's saying is really wild and she's not some far left. No one's ever heard of her. She's an icon, prominent prominent and icon in the feminist leftist world. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the most bizarre juxtapositions of ideologies in that movement, because (laughs) if her radical friends had their way, a lot of the people that are standing behind her would not be afforded the same rights. Even if she doesn't specifically believe believe it, if you just look at the public opinion polling of what jihad means, and that's different from culture to culture and nation to nation, but in the Middle East, large majorities believe that it has to do with actions which would deny rights to, to humans and even death penalties for things like apostasy, homosexuality, being an infidel, adultery, et cetera, et cetera, being a rape victim as a female in some yes. some of these societies. And now I'm not saying that she specifically supports those things, but she knows that when she says jihad, that a lot of people, mm. even people in her own faith, do believe that. And so I think that in it's not incitement in terms of a legal definition, but it certainly is sending a signal and normalizing uh, uh, this type of talk with a very radical element within our society. And it's beyond me that the left would stand side by side with that person. Well, it's a dog whistle. I mean, where in every sense of the word that the certain people that receive it and hear it, it means a certain thing to them. And, you know, and you're right, the juxtaposition of, of Linda Sarsour saying these types of violent statements against an American president versus the craziness of the left having these, you know, safe spaces. If a boy looks at a girl on a college campus, you know, the girl runs to a safe space. Um, I mean, all these things are happening and it just, they don't, there's no, there's no connection. None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. It just, it's, it's senseless. It is senseless. Yeah. It isn't me. I, on the subject of the media for a moment, I do think that this, that she is certainly not, criticized by left-wing media she is she is a leader she's stirring people up a few conservative websites are saying she shouldn't be saying that does anyone want to point that she shouldn't be saying that but really they're letting this 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 um rhetoric go without much comment and i i think it's a um it is an astonishing thing what she is able to stir up and actually what islam stands for is an astonishing and to your both your points but you know she's a spokesperson for women yet in islam women are second-class citizens who get get all sorts of unfair treatment in the law. And, and the media has been bending over backwards to explain that this is not, you know, jihad doesn't mean that. And by the way, which is extremely arrogant of the media to dictate to, in some Muslim countries, what 90 percent or, or more roughly believe to be the exact opposite, which it is, has to do with infidels and apostates and violence and forced conversion. Uh, but but the you know, nevertheless, the media has been very quick to defend and try to explain a moderate form of what jihad means, which is fine and dandy, except for the fact that l- look back when Russ Vote simply expressed mm-hmm. an opinion about That's what right. Christian salvation means. And Bernie Sanders said he wouldn't vote for him mm-hmm. to become deputy director of OMB because of that. And the media piled on to call uh, Russ Vote a bigot and a racist, which is absolutely absurd. I know him and he's none of those mm-hmm. things. Uh, but now they bend over backwards to defend her. And I think that she may be some or all of those things, sexist, racist, uh, bigot, et cetera. 
Absolutely. Okay, you know, we were mentioning the media, and I'm sorry to jump back to a previous topic, but I wanted to just mention one thing. You know, so we've been talking about the speech that Trump gave in Warsaw. And what I saw afterwards, I was thinking, you know, what is the left going to do with this? So I saw the Washington Post had an article, and maybe they had others, but this one article, the, the title of it was Trump, first U.S. president to visit Poland and not visit the Warsaw Ghetto. Now, let me just tell you, folks, that could be factually accurate. I don't know. But and but if you listen to that speech and how much he talked about what wow. happened and the sacrifice of the Polish mm-hmm. people and the battle in the ghetto and mm-hmm. the bravery and the blood running in the streets as people are speaking. I mean, he was so eloquent and, and, and just almost, I mean, just went over history and praising them. But the Washington Post answer was... But he didn't go to the ghetto. And he was speaking about a mile, I think, from where the ghetto, where the scene is, where people go. But they just cannot, this is the Washington Post, cannot agree, cannot give credit for that fabulous speech. They just can't do it. It's like they went down a list and said, look, he's doing all these things nice. Let's find something to yeah. criticize him for. Anything. Just someone. Please just make something up, you know. Yeah. Well, and there was the whole kerfuffle about the handshake. I mean, and that which was, was not even true, right? Which wasn't even. I mean, that was so silly about uh, that that the wife of the Polish prime minister didn't shake hands with Trump, but she did. But they just played a a, a very cut clip that it looked like she didn't shake his hand. It looked that way, and didn't he come <laughs> out with a tweet or something that the um the the wife did. Uh, she did. She oh, did. Oh, she did. She did. Yeah, yes, he did. They, yeah, I shook hands with him. Yeah. Honestly, now we have to have foreign diplomat spouses <laughs> or foreign whoever <laughs> elected official spouses defending the American or correcting the American media because they cannot stand to give Trump any credit. All right. We got to zip off. It's our last little break of the evening. Don't go away. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the 
national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back. This is Debbie George Addis. I want to give thanks at this very moment for the uh, sponsor of the show that makes the show possible. Our show, America Can We Talk, is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Couldn't do the show without them. Also want to tell you, if you listened last week, you know I did the show from San Diego, which was way too much fun for words. It was really fun to be out there. The weather was great. Don't feel bad if you're in Texas listening. It's kind of hot here. It was lovely weather. Had a great time. And next week, a week from tonight, I'm actually doing the show from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, we are heading up there for a cousin's reunion uh, on my side. Um, and so, anyway, I'll be up there for the long weekend, and I'm going to be doing the show from Minneapolis. And so I hope you can tune in then. And I know I, I'm actually, I was thinking about last week and next week are both like really liberal hotbeds. But I'm going to do this show anyway. So, okay. So back to our final segment, which is going to race by. 
So a completely unrelated story, but I wanted to just, it was just, we were in California for a week and I was reading it out actually while I was out there and talking to some of our, we have family in California too, um, about with the California Democrats. Actually, do you want to tell the story, Lori? Because you were saying you want to talk about it. It's a fabulous story. The Democrats are shooting well, themselves in the, the foot. Uh, you know, the Democrats run everything in California and they have a super majority and everything. So basically, if they dream it up, they do it. <laughs> if their dear little heads, it pops in their brains, then they just go ahead and pass it and do it. Um, so they passed this insane gas tax here recently. And um, it's 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 so onerous and it especially is going to hurt the poor people um, because working, working yeah. poor people. That's where this tax is really going to hit, which uh, wait, doesn't Democrats, aren't they support poor people? I don't I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm confused. Debbie. Anyway, so um, anyway, so they passed the gas tax. And uh, so these three little college Republicans. So cute. <laughs> uh, what, uh, wait, what university were they from? Cal State Fullerton. Okay, yeah, Cal State Fullerton. And uh, these three little precious little college kids, Republicans, they decided to uh, do a petition drive to recall the the uh, uh, the actual vote to push the the vote over the top. The state senator. And, yeah, the state yeah. senator. And um, and so they got enough uh, uh, petitions, names on the petition, and they turned it in. And now the California Democrats are suing these three kids. Uh, because they think it's wrong, and they found like a name on there that really that they uh, that they must have misrepresented to get all these names. They lied, had to get these signatures and these you know these names. And Debbie, for me, what I find so uh, the good news of this whole story. Can I I'll, pull you back go, all the junk? Pull back all the junk because I've got to find good news here somewhere. Um, I love it that these are three young millennials. That yeah. are taking a stand against these Democrats and against these onerous uh, laws that they are putting on their people of California. Especially poor people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love it that it's these three young kids. That this isn't like some big organization that started a committee that got a bunch of donations that looked at it. These are three young kids that did this. Which, again, should show you that anybody can do this. Um, yeah. and, uh, and by the way, getting a petition in California is not easy because there's a lot of laws about, cause I, I, one time I got involved in one and you have to have names from like your certain district. It's very difficult. You can't just get names from all over the, the state. So they did it right. They did it the right way. And I would love to see this go some, I'd love to see this go to the Supreme court. I don't know this for a fact, but it may be illegal to be not a Democrat in California. That may be, <laughs> that may be what they're they're suing That's for. That's the underlying yeah. right. cause of action. That's the crime. To, to speak that you're not a Democrat. Right, right. right. <laughs> Well, actually, I, I love this story, too, and that's why I wanted to raise it tonight. These kids had to get, in order to have a petition to recall this state senator, there's a first-term senator named Josh Newman. They had to get 85,000 signatures. We're not talking about 100. Right. 85,000, and they organized. They got other people to help them, but they were the they were the organizing that's group. Right. Three college Republicans, Cal State. I mean, the precious little you know cherubic college faces, smiling, going, yes, we're going to go out, and, and, and they actually followed the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they got 85,000 signatures. And so what the Democrats, first of all, I just love the optics of this. The tax, this huge gas tax increase goes in place November 1st. The California Democrats are suing college students. The, the Democrat Party is suing <laughs> college students to prevent, to argue about you weren't allowed to get a petition to recall this guy. And this, by the way, this isn't doesn't recall him. It just puts it up for a vote. Right. 
Yeah, I mean that's all that's going to happen. Right. And and but and this state senator they're trying to bring back was a first term, and so the Democrats are arguing that somehow that the students misled voters if they signed the petition that they thought it took away it, it took the gas tax away, and, and and you know sadly they'll probably find some moron who signed it who thought that was the case, but you know and, and they'll have a get into a fuss. But I just love the optics of the Democrats making life harder for working Californians, mm-hmm. suing college mm-hmm. students who followed the law and got eighty five thousand signatures. Well, mm-hmm. and Debbie, there's it's not a coincidence that six hundred forty four thousand Californians left the state last year. Six hundred forty four thousand left, and all but one came to Texas. Or well, like that? no, yeah. uh, no. Actually, the number one state they went to was Florida, and then number two, close behind, was Texas. So, uh, you know, they're fleeing the state because they're not going to put up with this. And, and I struggle with the the in my head thinking about the fact that I need to mow my yard tomorrow. They got eighty five thousand signatures. I mean, if someone said, "Hey, you need to get eighty five thousand signatures to support human liberty," I would think <laughs> that's going to be really difficult. This was a very yes, detailed yes, thing that a lot of people yes. would just wave. Oh, no, thank you. That is amazing. Have you ever done a petition drive before? Yes. Okay. It's not okay. Easy. It is very hard. Have you ever done it before? No. It is incredibly hard. You mean very hard. the laws that tell you how you? No, do it's it? just hard that you have. You know, you have to stand somewhere and you have to talk to people. Explain to people what it is. And, it's and time they get consuming. Them to sign. Yeah, they, it's they, very they did that time consuming. Yeah, no, times. it's it's very difficult process. It's amazing. Do. Yeah, no, they, they should get an honorary degree just for accomplishing yes, this. Yes, yes, Hillsdale should give them a PhD. <laughs> well, I also think that California Republicans should seize on this. They should start making videos. Put this out as a commercial. Videos of these young young students saying, well, here's why we did it, because we can barely afford the gas we pay for now. Right. We always used to marvel. My, my in-laws lived in California for years, and we live here in Texas, and before that, Washington, D.C. And my father-in-law, my in-laws never visiting, they used to comment, why does gas, that we're coming from California with all of this gas, you know, with all this oil, and yet gas is more expensive out there than it is out here in Washington. Well, mm-hmm. It's all the taxes in California. Mm-hmm. And they tax the people to death. Well, and but, regulation. And regulation, yeah. I would love if Republicans would really make just make mm-hmm. a make an example of them. You know, interview these young people, get their faces, tell what they did, how hard they worked, and blah, blah. And this is all so Democrats can take. And the numbers were, it's a $5 billion with a B tax increase a year. Mm. Billion with a B. They well, I think minimum raise. wage workers have that laying around. It's just they're ready to <laughs> chip in on that one. I, I know it, it is a fabulous story. I, honestly, I just feel like you know, kind of juxtaposing what the parties stand for. You know, I mean, taxes. And I remember making this point many times before in, in speeches too. But taxes are a freedom issue. Mm-hmm. People treat talk about taxes as though, well, the only thing they're really about is the mean Republicans, and they don't want to pay taxes because they're greedy. They want to hold on to their own money. But taxes are a freedom issue. If you have, if you work hard, if you work, let's say you have a job, you pay fifty thousand a year, but your taxes force you to pay forty thousand that in, into the government. You're not really free. You don't have the fruits of your labor to live your life. And so these taxes in California are so onerous. It is a freedom mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we have talked on this show before about millennials a few times, and about how the fact that we're very concerned about them, we're concerned that. You know, they really don't understand what our country stands for and what we're made of. And, and you know, here's three great examples of young millennials who get it. And, yeah. you know, that's exciting for me. I mean, I'll take three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, really, that's fantastic. And, and if you want to succeed later in life, you need to start saving earlier. And, and look, if you're going to college, you're working a, a two or three minimum wage jobs, 
uh, you know, you don't have a lot of extra cash laying around. Uh, you know, we laughed earlier, but you really don't. Mm-hmm. And I've been there. I've had mm-hmm. these jobs before. Yeah. And these taxes are just a burden and a hurdle to future success in life. And this is what the Democrat Party stands for today. They want to control our decisions. They want to increase taxes on soda, gasoline. And limit and, wealth. Yeah, exactly. Limit exactly. wealth. And, and later on in life, they're going to be delayed because of all these incremental little tiny added expenses on them. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff where even though it might only be like $1,000 this year and $1,000 next year, 1000 or $2,000 in investment money when you're 18 and 19 years old, 40 years later, is hundreds of thousands of dollars in actual mm-hmm. wealth. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. That kind of stuff is devastating. Mm-hmm. Actually, this loops back to something or kind of it would, uh, tie a bow on it to something we were talking about much earlier, the protesters of the G20. You know, usually people protest for freedom, or that is the intuitive thing. You would protest to get freedom, to say, you know, we don't want you taking 90% of our income and taxes, and we don't want you to regulate everything we do. And with with young millennials, though, a lot of them, I guess that's a a repetitive, redundant, young millennials, but anyway, with millennials, uh, they think that they're standing up for something good, but they're actually, a lot of ways, they're standing up to give away their freedom. If If they vote for big government... They're voting to give away their freedom, which is exactly what the protesters at G20 are doing. They're not voting for it, but they're, you know, burning buildings and burning cars and breaking windows and screaming and yelling and waving protest signs to say, please take our freedom away. That's what the real message is. If you don't want capitalism, you don't want the abundance that freedom brings, you're protesting freedom. It is the most, it's a level of insanity. They don't see it that way or they wouldn't do it, but it is they're protesting to give up freedom. It's just a fundamental failure of education, economic uh, efficacy in our generations. I mean, somehow between the 40s and 50s and, and now, we have allowed that in our society and Europe has allowed that in their societies to weaken and just go away. And that's what happens is you have uh, generation after generation where these concepts are weaker and weaker and weaker and less understood. And look, if you have no fundamental education in any of these things, then you just can't understand liberty in general from in a deep sense. You just can't understand it. Like we all feel it in in our souls and that's why we're so passionate about it because we know that's what leads to prosperity and they just don't get it at a fundamental basis. They don't, and the people who love big government and want to be their controllers are happy they don't get it. Because if young people started to realize, wait, you mean big government's going to make me miserable and make me poor? Never mind. I, I want back out of it. Well, but they, I, I think kids, I think, a lot of times have this feeling to rebel. I mean, that's just kind of this phase we all go through. But look at the difference of rebelling of the ones over in Europe and the ones here in California. Because the kids in California were rebelling against authority. Yes, they were. I love their rebellion. (laughs) That's the kind of rebellion I want. And on that note, this is Debbie Georgettis and Wade Miller and Lori Medina. Thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. We come every Sunday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and talk truth about America. We love having you tune in. I urge you, if you're listening on radio, know you can listen online at americacanwetalk.org and listen on Facebook. We talk truth about America. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.